Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to WHPP. OPP. WHPP. WHBP. The cycling podcast that can't pronounce its own name. What? Who is that? Who is that? Who do I hear? Is that you, Matteo? It is I. Oh. I'm so excited. Boy, I feel like I haven't heard your voice in so long. Dude, I'm seriously. I, yeah, we were almost in the, we were in the same city at different times, too. But Yeah, which was weird. Yeah. It was like I was flying in as you were, like our planes were crossing, like passing each other. The wings touched. You know, in the night. Well, <laughs> yes, it was very frightening. <laughs> there was a lot of shaking, uh, some sirens. I don't want to set off anybody's down. anxiety by pointing this out, but every time I'm on a plane that takes off, I basically think this is the time that I'm going to be on a plane that crashes and I die. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm abs- I'm like a hundred percent convinced. I'm like, this is definitely going to happen. And I'm totally okay with it. I laugh cause I'm, I'm, I'm right there in the seat with you. Bro. It is. Except, it except, is gonna except happen. that I'm not okay with it. Oh, I'm just like, <laughs> it, it's just, it's going to happen. It'll be, it'll be a few seconds of scary. And then like, whatever <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah welcome to the uh, working man's honest bicycle program yeah welcome welcome we talk we're about all going to die bikes here we, we have very important um and, and sort of topical bike things to talk about we try not to be um overwhelmingly topical uh i i say that we did an entire month focusing on the tour de france um <laughs> but we try not to be super topical we, uh... and yet we I try. Have... I try to be very topical. I don't know I'm, what's going on here. Yeah, well, we have very important news. First of all, we're going to have to do some cyclocross NAS predictions. Uh, second of all, second of all, also very important. I, I understand. I understand that you did go with your parents to see the new Star Wars movie. Yes, I did. I I'm 32 <laughs> years old. I saw Star Wars with my parents. My mom fell asleep, and my dad wanted to read the credits. And he he did not he did not want to leave the theater, not because he was like oh like the Star Wars experience was so good that I just want to like keep on living it. He did not want to leave the theater because he wanted to find out like who the like vice assistant key grip was. Oh yeah, reason. totally. Or yeah. Right. Or the best boy, for example. <laughs> the, the best boy. You gotta know who the best boy is. <laughs> I, can the best boy be a girl now? Surely. Surely. We I mean in in twenty sixteen. Is... We can only hope. We can only hope. Well this is something there's been a lot of sound and fury about surrounding surrounding this this movie, right? And by the way, I noticed I noticed a, a couple of days after you saw the movie that you then posted a status on Facebook saying, you know, maybe everyone stop taking Star Wars so seriously. <laughs> you know, okay, so it's a very good movie, and it's fun to like think about and talk about and watch. Even um, when I see like the the great depths to which people like speculate and like compare the logic of what has been presented to them as entertainment in different contexts it's just it sometimes it it takes my breath away a little bit and you know i I get that like people can be entertained by different things and that's how they're entertained and all of that but it can be a little bit staggering as a more just you know (laughs) casual enjoyer of such things Uh, are you saying that you don't like that you think media criticism is is a waste of time um (laughs) walk right into that one damn it (laughs) you know I, I, i am going to tie this back in i swear um, to bike stuff, you'll see. This will all make sense in a minute. But okay, w- with with this Star Wars thing, I think what's what's so all right. Movie, yes, I I will say as someone who enjoyed it a lot. Um, what is far far more interesting as Star Wars, both this specific new movie and the franchise as a whole, um, its kind of place in popular media culture and popular culture and um, it, all of that is far more interesting than anything that happens in any of those movies many of which i love hmm. dearly hmm. um and and there's been all this you know surrounding discussion about decisions about things around the casting and in the main character um in star wars the force awakens who is who is a lady um and there have been many things <laughs> spoiler <pieces>. alert <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the main character in the new Star Wars movie is a woman. Uh, chew on that, nerds. Um, <laughs> it, it, there's been a lot of uh, yeah think pieces and and many electrons uh, sent zinging around the internet on this subject. Hopefully, many positive, um, some not. 
is I understand those people are jerks. But what it comes back to for me on, on that subject is, you know, I think it's nice. Oh, and there's a black guy in it as, as a major um, character. You know, that's cool. Um, old people are like actual human characters. What it comes back to is, um, you know, it's really nice in the media cons- you consume and in the world around you that that you see people who look like you being represented. And sometimes people who look like you means, in my case, um, a white guy, um, you know, white man, cisgendered and all that. But sometimes, uh, you know, there are people out there who are not like me, who have skin of a different color or are women or girls or whatever. Um, and I think it's nice that they get media for them too. And uh, I think that it's nice in our sports, the either that we consume as viewers or that we participate in as, well, participants, that there's representation there that, that says you can do this. And, and hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit because I think we're going to talk about teams and i think that's an aspect who totally. sorry that was <laughs> was that cogent at all yeah that was really good <laughs> that was really good i think what you you know what you're getting at is uh star wars for everybody not just star wars for you know pasty white boys yes and i think that's important particularly for you know something like star wars which has yeah. occupied a very large place in the uh the social and entertainment context for for yeah. so many people, you know, is not exactly like a niche interest. Yeah, well, that's actually what's kind of interesting about it, and and I I swear we're wrapping this up, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fact that it is so strongly associated and targeted toward you know this particular group who have really claimed it as their own, but of of course, all of these people who are now better represented <laughs> in this property than they have been in the past. We're always there. And, yeah. you know, hopefully hopefully they now feel more welcome. So this brings us to bicycles. Yeah. So, so before we get bike into racing that stuff. And to bike teams. Before we get into it? Well, didn't we want to... Uh, we, we had cyclocross Nats. We have cycle... Okay, so we're going to talk about cyclocross national championships of the United States of America cyclocross. And we're going to do that for a few minutes, and then we're going to get into this topic of uh, bike racing teams and what makes a happy, functional team and what we think is really important. So, And let's say not just bike racing teams, but but bike kind of... Doing stuff uh, teams? Doing stuff teams, yeah. Ah, yes. A drinking team with a racing problem. (laughs) We'll talk about that, too, actually. But (laughs) Good. But anyway. (laughs) All right, so uh, the American Cyclocross Nationals is coming up. Um, hopefully it won't have taken place before this episode comes out. <laughs> We're okay. recording on Wednesday, January 6th. So as of now, the Elite and the U23 races are taking place over the weekend. And I think those are probably the four that we should focus on, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So w- where do you want to start? I want to start with the Elite Men. All right, let's start with the Elite Men. So what... Just throwing it out there, uh, who, who are you looking at? Who, who do you think is going to win this race in Asheville? Stephen Hyde is going to win the race. Ooh, bold pick. I am doing it. I am going. All right, defend, just, defend your choice. You know what? I think that every now and then, giants get toppled. I think that the course is very hard. I think that, I think that picking Jeremy Powers would be a safe bet. But mm-hmm. you know what? I want to say that Stephen Hyde's going to win the bicycle race. <laughs> so you know, think... Stephen Hyde is Jeremy Powers' protege, and uh, he won a couple races over Powers this year. I forget which ones. Somewhere in the middle of the country. Uh, they were both Louisville. Thank you. Um, and that was like kind of a big deal because it's been a while since an American has beaten Jeremy Powers. And, you know, it was it was like it was not exactly a route or anything, but what I really like to see is more people being able to compete on Powers' level. And the other really great thing about Stephen Hyde was at the World Cup in Zolder a few weeks ago, in the first two laps, Stephen Hyde was racing in the front group on Sven Nice's wheel and then got a flat tire on a route and wound up racing kind of in the like 20th area. So, Which, by the way, is still respectable. It's extremely respectable. You know, Powers got like 16th. I think Hyde got 22nd. But you know, he was he was like racing in that group in the top 12 for two laps, 
and that's awesome. Like Powers was trying to fight his way up into that group and didn't do it. So I just want to say that like I'd like to see more American men racing at that caliber. And in order to imagine the future that I want to imagine, Stephen Hyde wins this weekend. All right, all right. Um, How about well, you, while uh, I I have to I have to say I'm <laughs> I'm going to take the safe pick. I think I think okay. uh, Powers is going to win. Uh, that and... you, that balances us like nicely across the microphones, you know. Yeah, and I'm not just saying that, by the way, listeners. I'm I'm not just saying that for the sake of interesting radio. Um, <laughs> now, I really like Stephen Hyde. Um, I'm a big fan of Stephen Hyde. I think Stephen Hyde. I'm going to keep saying his name. Is a really interesting guy. Uh, he's got a really cool story. There's. It's not exactly a Cinderella story, but it sort of is in in that. Um, you know, here's he's a real journeyman who's kind of he didn't come out of nowhere exactly, but really didn't turn his full focus and attention to cyclocross until very recently. Mm-hmm. And that he was doing it, but he he wasn't, you know, able slash willing. It, it doesn't matter which um, to put in the commitment to make a go at at being a professional bike racer. All right. I- I want to mm-hmm. I want to let you finish, but I really did a moment ago think that you were about to say, I like Stephen Hyde. I'm a big fan of Stephen Hyde, and you, Matteo, you are no Stephen Hyde. <laughs> I should have said that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I didn't. So, you know, and, and that's of of course I'm also uh, I'm a J-Pal fan too, um, big fan. I like him a lot. Um, I like I like both these guys, and I think that right now it's just very. So, Jeremy Powers has often struggled in Louisville. He doesn't tend to race super well there. This is something I just mm-hmm. heard recently, and, and that sounds about right. I'm not sure that he's ever won. Uh, I, I, no, I shouldn't say that. He has won in Louisville, I'm sure. But it's it's not necessarily his best course. And, you know, Hyde beat him there. And, and But more importantly than that, because um, I can't, I don't really have the wherewithal to defend that, that position, Um this is something I heard bandied about, bandied about somewhere else, and, and it checks out to myself. But but more to the point. Okay, so Hyde beat um, Jeremy, you know, on two days, and otherwise uh, has not been able to get the better of him. And while I, I think it's been played up as a rivalry that's um, really close, and and it is in in that Stephen Hyde is one of only. A couple guys who can stick in a group with uh, powers for more than you know a couple of laps but in most of the races that powers has won um, Hyde has been out of the picture for you know it's not a sprint mm-hmm. let's say um, Hyde's, Hyde's been out of the picture for a little while uh, and, and that's partly a, a style thing um you know, Powers is going to try and drop guys before the sprint because that's not his best attribute. So there's that. I, I just think that statistically, <laughs> you know, Hyde is getting better and better, but he's not quite to the point of consistently beating Powers yet. And also, this course is um, this course is crazy. This course is crazy, and I don't think it necessarily is favorable to someone like Stephen Hyde, who um, is very strong, but he's a bit more but, of a, like a muscular rider than a light whippy one well and he's he's yeah and more to the point his you know obviously he's very strong and and produces lots of power but um he's still more of i i think relies on technical ability to Mm -hmm. save energy rather than um throwing down just huge you know handfuls of watts and this 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 course you know there are a couple preview videos there's a lot of up and down it looks hard and yeah, it does lots of heavy field like, riding. It looks yeah. like uh, like it's going to take some watts. Yeah, and it's not to say that there aren't technical challenges on it, but many of them are are you know not necessarily uh, going around corners fast. It's it's off cambers and, and difficult you know off camber uphill turns mm-hmm. and uh, you know going over rutted rooty descents, <laughs> which it's looks be so scary. By the way, <laughs> it was hard to see on the preview video. But the descent after the super wide off camber goes through the woods, and I was like, "Whoa, this video is a little grainy, but those look like some huge roots." 
<laughs> and break bumps and it's only going to get tracked out so i just think that the advantage lies um in powers's court and uh i think uh logan owen even has the chance to put in a better ride I, you know, I, I, I would say that Logan Owen is like a, a dark horse who's a, a totally possible victor. He's a plausible winner. Um, I wouldn't say that he's the favorite to win. I'd say he, he's more likely to be, you know, third or second place. Mm-hmm. But he is very, he's a plausible winner. Like, they, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to be taking him seriously mm-hmm. out there as mm-hmm. a threat. And I think, you know, in general, and this goes for all the races, like, sometimes the, the podium seems like a pretty safe bet. Like, you could pick one, two, and three, even if you don't get the order right. But it tends to be pretty interesting, like, who who winds up racing, you know, fifth through tenth and, like, has the ride of their life and the result of their life. Yeah. Yeah. So. And there, there are other, I don't know, um, as far as other riders, uh, normally it would be hard to at least historically bet against uh, bet against ryan trebone but right now uh i mean he just put out this facebook post about how he's still <laughs> dealing with some injury stuff yeah um, i mean i i see like trebone and, and jonathan page both struggling for top tens quite page frankly is still a joker in there um mm-hmm. page has definitely really surprised gross. us all with winning Winning the occasional yeah. late career national championship, hasn't he? Wisconsin a few years ago. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't have my eye on him necessarily, but uh, if it turns super, super gross, mm-hmm. um, he could sneak in a surprise. For sure. They say it's going to uh, rain. Yeah. They say it's going to rain sometime this weekend. Um, and when you have all these amateurs and, you know, masters, <laughs> racers tearing the course up before the. Mm-hmm elite seep and get to race on it it's going to be pretty gnarly so and that will be a factor yeah so we talked about the men a whole bunch i think we should talk about the women we should talk about the women okay which i kind of wanted to say for last because i i think it, it could be a little bit more interesting um you want to do a very quick u23 then for men and women let's let's just cover them you know what yes but i haven't looked at the start list so <laughs> holler at me what do you got for u23 men and women um, I, I mean, there's not a whole lot of doubt that for the U23 women that it's probably going to be a shootout between Emma White and Ellen <laughs> and Noble. Ellen Noble. That's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's actually, I, I think it's really hard to pick them. Um, they're, they're both on very good form right now. They've been racing well in Europe. Um, and they've been doing roughly, they've been turning in, they've been finishing very close to each other in Europe. Yep. Which is interesting, um, given that they're different riders i i think i emma seems to be more of um you know fistfuls of watts um applied generously mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and ellen is also extremely strong um but in more of a light kind of climbery kind of way mm-hmm. and this course is climbing but it also looks like it's got a lot of heavy grass yeah it does. <laughs> to ride on so i i find that very very hard to call um, but it's going to be, you know, one of those two, like almost for sure. On the U23 men's side, um, there's Curtis White. Uh, there's, oh boy, um, Spencer Petroff. And, uh, hmm, am I missing? I mean, I'm sure I'm missing people. I, I'm, I'm not as well versed with the, you know, we're not experts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, be, we'll say that right off the bat. So so let's just say that there's, there's Curtis, some dudes. One of them's gonna win. He's gonna be fast. Yeah, seriously, you're gonna be fast. Um, yeah, Curtis White hit a really strong opening to the season. Haven't seen as much of him lately, but I'm sure he's training hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as for for Spencer Petroff, I mean, he's been crushing it um, both at home and abroad. So. Um, look, look for a, a, a nice fight there. Um, that's going to be, it's going to be a good one. All right. Now, now I think we should talk about the elite women. Yes. Okay. So what are you thinking? So I, obviously for the, the elite men, I picked Stephen Hyde to upset mm-hmm. Jeremy Powers. Uh, Jeremy has had a nice string of victories. Um, and that, that's a little bit of a joke because I think as you pointed out very well, Jeremy's kind of a lock. For the women, I would actually like... I think this is the year that 
someone is going to beat Katie Compton. And this is a big deal because Katie Compton has won, I think, 12 consecutive United States cyclocross national championships of cyclocross. In a it row. might be 11, but the point is we, we can't even keep track. Uh, the first one was in 2004. So. Yeah, it's 12. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. That, so that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, she's hit some really good form. She's podium some World Cups. Uh, but so is Katie Antonow. Katie Antonow got second in Valkenburg, which was a very climby course. Was it Valkenburg? Mm, yeah, it was true. Valkenburg. It was Valkenburg, yep. Huge start-finish climb. Like, little ring on pavement. Yeah, that is a pretty brutal-looking finish. And so given the, the like, significant features on the Asheville course, this big hill, go up and down a bunch of times. Man, I'm picking Katie Antonow to beat Katie Compton. Bold. Bold choice. You know what? If you make bold choices and you're wrong, then it's like, well, you know, whatever. But if you're right, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you like you're you're betting on the big payoff. I am betting on the big payoff. All right. Um, who who are your other picks for um for that podium? Earlier, I said that like you could you could pretty safely like pick the podium even if you don't know what order. Mm -hmm. Um, but for actually for the women, I think there are a lot of people competing really hard for, for the podium. Yeah. And I would say that like Amanda Miller and Ella Anderson have a pretty good shot. Georgia Gould is kind of a question mark. Rachel Lloyd could definitely factor. Um, Crystal Anthony is hard to like rule out as a factor. It's a deep field. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that um, I love Crystal. I, I don't think that she's a podium contender or in a normal race, um, which is unfair. Like, which makes me it would sound like a diss, right? Um, it's not. She's on the thing about Crystal. She's on such a good. Crystal Anthony is on such a good season right now mm -hmm. that like anything could happen. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's interesting because she took like a year off last year um, to really focus on on you know you're off from her day job right we're talking women's racing racing here like most of them have day jobs most of them have like um, advanced degrees and day jobs yeah seriously um and and so she took a year of not teaching to to focus on cross and um you know it went fine um and now she's back doing her job this year and but she's she's had a better season <laughs> than she did last year she had a good season last year um but it's been she's been at a, a definitely like maybe her best ever this year um so you never know but hmm, i don't know I, I i have to disagree again that i i still think i'm i'm looking at katie compton coming into form in the world mm -hmm. cups and i'm like mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just you don't see the same um katie antino is getting closer and closer all the time but she does not she has not figured out the consistent level of high performance that Katie Compton has. That's true. I mean, that's that's the thing about Katie Compton is that like when she is on, she is so on. Yeah, I mean, she's she's you know not invincible, but she's just so steady and so uh, so consistent. Mm -hmm. Is the word I keep using. Um, just you know, so consistently but, able to, but to like, make that podium. Tr tragedy. Uh, <laughs> she's so consistent, but tragedy can kind of be inflicted upon her races. You know. She, there's a, a very interesting article that came out about some of the, the health struggles that she's had that has that have uh, dinged her performance a little bit. That was a great article, the one in, in Cycling Tips, the maybe one of the first ones put out by that the new American Cycling Tips mm -hmm. uh, site. Yeah, um, that's worth a read. Um, yeah, and it, it it actually appears that that most of those struggles kind of come back to a single uh, genetic genetic disease actually yeah it caused folic acid to like build up in her body instead of being processed by it right right which is fascinating mm -hmm. um and, and really terrible uh 
So anyway, hopefully she's got a handle on that and Calamity will not strike. I mean, you know, she had a slow start to the season and she has absolutely been building. Yeah. So I so I'm still gonna bet I'm still gonna bet on Katie Compton taking I, I guess a thirteenth or some twelfth or thirteenth some yes. ridiculous, uh, you know, <laughs> consecutive national title. I think that uh, you know Katie Antonio is a super good bet for second place. She's not a sure bet for second place. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what the heck I'll pick her and then for third I I just I don't even know. <laughs> it's so. It's such a wide open it's deep. field. It is uh, deep. I don't know if you mentioned uh, Meredith Miller is another one um, to watch out for. Yes, She's been looking pretty good and and you know can can always pull off a you know we say surprise, uh, but it's not that surprising. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean these are all all women who just it, yeah like none of I think none of the names that we've mentioned would be a surprise on the podium at all. But that's uh, yeah. like twelve names that we've mentioned. Yeah, third through third through tenth place, or maybe even deeper in the women's field is just—it's so deep. The state of it like American women's cyclocross is so freaking strong. Yeah, it's 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 a good situation. And that's like without sure. people who have you know won UCI races in the states who are racing U twenty threes. Emma. Oh yeah. Well, boy. So like, Jeez, jeez. I know? think on a recent episode of, um, you know, um, Bill Shiken's new show, Crosshairs Radio. You don't listen to podcasts, so you don't. I, yeah, I don't but, listen to podcasts, but I've seen links to it on Twitter. Yeah, but <laughs> um, Adam Meyerson was on one of those shows recently. Oh, I've heard of um, that guy. <laughs> we know we talk about him a lot. I think he has an email account or something. He's on the internet a bunch. <laughs> yeah, we should, yeah, we should like interview or something. We keep mentioning his name, but anyway, he was on that show and. You know, I, I think he said um, more or less that one of them, Emma White or, or Ellen Noble, is going to be world champion someday. And I wouldn't bet against that at all. Damn. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he put it quite that unequivocally, but um, yeah, they're good. They're good. Good bikes. <laughs> So, all right, that's now. So I, I guess we're saying for the, for the we'll, we'll just say the elite men, um, you know we're we're down between whether it's going to be Hyde or or Powers winning one of those two. Matteo says Hyde, I say Powers, and I, I we're both fairly convinced that the podium is is going to be Powers, Hyde, and probably Owen. Mm-hmm. But you know who knows there there could be surprises. Dammy Summerhill's da- Dammy Danny Summerhill's in there, and Jonathan Page and and other people. Um, and for the women, uh, again we're divided on whether it's going to be. Uh, Compton or Antonell, uh, one of the Katies, and then we're, uh, I don't know, doing a big old shrug <laughs> <laughs> for third place. <laughs> so that was our, uh, that was our, our 20 minute long, five minute. Oh yeah. Nets. We're uh, so good at keeping these things to five minutes. I'll just, I'll awful. just go into, uh, garage band or whatever I use to edit this thing. And just speed just, it up, right? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, exactly. It'll be like just three X speed. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> edit that out that was terrible oh good no good 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 joke time it's good, good banter time. okay <laughs> all right i'm drinking some bujolet we're having a good time i've got yeah i'm i'm out of whiskey so i've been i'm it's dark rum um damn you pirate uh, yeah <laughs> why isn't the rum gone um i made myself a double that's why uh okay so we should move on to what we were going to, our main topic we have a main topic and as i said earlier it's about a team a team that is functional and happy and um a nice group of people to be with so what are the ingredients what's the secret recipe for that i assume you have thoughts on this yeah so let's i mean let's back it up a little bit uh i'm on a team that i like you're on a team that you like i think we've mm-hmm. we've both seen a lot of uh, other teams that are different from the ones that we're on teams that exist kind of as jerseys or as like very small groups of people that don't really seem to do something. Don't don't have like a strong identity or like a presence at races. And I don't, yeah. I don't know, like the, like what, what makes a, a coherent team, both like internally, like to the people who are on it and 
externally to to the world around it right or like to the to the outside viewer yeah i don't know well well let's start i i think maybe with identity all right so Mm -hmm. that's a good one because i i'd say you and i are both on teams that have strong identities in our local scene Mm-hmm. You know, you've got you've got your your funny zebra stripes, and you know everyone knows who you guys are, and you know we're the burrito burrito team. Yeah, you're the burrito team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're the burrito the burrito people. Um, and uh, so some of that, you know, you'd think that all you need is some kind of distinctive sponsorship <laughs> or like a good jersey design or something. Uh, but a big part of what happens and i think also gets you presence at races and stuff like that is if the people who are on the team are careful when bringing people in that that they make sure that before people are brought in that that they know what the team's about here's here's the kind of team we are here's the kind of people we are and and bring in people who are consistent with that so i i i completely agree and i was going to say something almost Almost very similar as my my core thing. The tricky thing is that it, I think it can be very hard to describe what a team is about. Yeah, and you can rely on some like I don't know, like a mission statement. You know, you could have something like that, or like, or or you could be very aspirational. You know, we're about I don't know, making sure that everybody loves everything all the time and we're a welcoming and inclusive group of people which hopefully you are but like i i've, <laughs> but, I've definitely seen teams that like have you know mission statements and crap like that and nothing that they do or communicate is consistent with that or you know there's, there's nothing other than the mission statement that or you know the sort of subtitle on their jersey right that communicates no that. i agree yeah. i agree completely so, so, you know, one of the things that, that works for my team is that we are a track-focused team. And so we've mm-hmm. got this sense of, like, a focal point. Like, we all race at the track. We all race other disciplines, too. But we all race at the track. And so, like, you know, every Thursday from May to September, we're, we're there at this certain type of race. And that, and that helps. That helps, like, keep us together. It helps kind of specify who we are compared to who other people are. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, some some teams might have a race that they promote or a race that they target or, an, or you know, something else to just kind of seize on to or grab their identity and let let everyone who's a part of it say, like, I'm a part of this thing. Like, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that is definitely a factor. I mean, I, I'd say that, you know, my, my team is certainly known as more of a cyclocross and off-road in general you know mountain bike kind of mm-hmm. team but it's 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 weird because we are actually very much a generalist team we have a lot of we actually have a, a huge <laughs> men's cat three road squad <laughs> uh we're very middle heavy uh at the moment um and i don't know that seems and, and yet it still seems to work and uh it, it's it's been interesting because we've grown so I, it's difficult for me to speak to it because i'm relatively new uh to the team so you know I, i'm not gonna I, I'm, not, I'm barely gonna even try to articulate kind of what the particular identity of, of the team is but it, it is kind of a place for people who want to come and have fun and race bikes but like have fun and and take it seriously but within the context of like hey this is cool and we're hanging out and racing bikes together and you know more than anything uh you know we like spending time we're willing to you know spend time in a van together so i think Uh, that's a that's a really that's a crucial thing because i don't think that everybody on a on the team needs to be best friends but having compatible personalities is really uh can be really valuable mm-hmm. but i think that that's also can be dependent on the size of a group and i think the Absolutely. smaller the smaller a team is then the more personalities matter the larger a team is i think the more that uh some type of structure 
matters. You know, some type of we do group rides this day, this time, this route, that sort of thing. Right. I think. I don't know. Well, yeah, I I don't know about if if it's about scheduling group rides and, and stuff because I've been on teams that schedule group rides a little bit and, mm-hmm. and you know my current team kind of doesn't do that at all. It's much more. I mean, we get together like someone will be like, "Hey, I'm riding," you know, this time. Who wants yeah. to join? We pretty much um, do that too. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know if, if that element of structure matters, but it does become important when the team starts to grow uh, in kind of keeping your core values intact that's that's the thing that i think is is a major tipping point is you know this team that i'm on i'm i'm kind of one of the leading wave of uh, a big expansion that happened um between like mid basically in the in the second half of 2014 mm-hmm. um where all of a sudden we added a bunch of members and part of that was a concerted uh, attempt to to develop a women's team, uh, and, and and get a bunch of new new women on on, on the team to, to ride with us, um, which was incredibly successful, um, you know, and we're still not even in mm-hmm. sex ratios on the team. Um, it's something like three to one or two to one or something like that. Um, it's between three and two to one. We've got like I don't know twenty something uh, dudes, and we have. Uh, I don't know, somewhere around 10 or 11 um, women. I think the, what's what's probably less important than the ratio, though, is the fact that you have a critical mass of women which uh, can be attractive to other women who are looking for something to join or looking for a way to get involved in this activity without being in a dude fest. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, and that matters. And also, I, I think super important to this is that everyone on the team is a person who who thinks that is important and valuable yeah you know like that that's kind of what it means when it comes to having people who are compatible and and uh, an identity you know we want to be on board as as a group with when it turns out that everyone is on board with something like that you know i think that that's that's a good sign that there's some pretty good sharing of the team's values yeah I, I'm not sure if I've told you this story before, but if my team had a meeting kind of at the end of the season and we were like, okay, like, do we want to expand? Do we want to invite new riders onto the team? Like this year has been really good. We have a great core. And like we, we talked about it for a little while and, you know, everyone kind of threw some names like how about so-and-so, how about so-and-so. And then, you know, conversation kind of got to the point where a bunch of people were saying, you know, like we have one uh, young, young woman on our team, a teenager. And I think that if if we want to recruit new riders, we should have a special emphasis on recruiting women. And like to hear to hear that expressed from a, a, a bunch of people definitely gave me the warm fuzzies because yeah. I completely agree. And I, I, I think that was a a really special commitment for the team to make. Yeah. And we turned around and we you know invited three promising women onto our team and they all accepted and that was great awesome yeah that's great yeah and and what we're dealing with now is is continuing so now now our team has reached a size where we do have to be careful um about that sounds i don't know that sounds that sounded not like i wanted to like oh we want to make sure we get the right people the danger in having a bunch of people who all all kind of thinking alike um and wanting to preserve the identity and culture of a team the danger in that is being exclusionary in in kind of harmful ways right uh, like this like, is this... like someone sees you at races and they're like oh i don't want to join you guys like yeah i want to like race a little bit across or whatever and everyone else is like we don't we don't know you right well just as an example outside of, of cycling where this is a problem um there have been there have been complaints about the recruiting process in, in Silicon Valley companies, right? Where there's a lot of talk about like companies will not hire because, Oh, we were concerned about them not being the right fit, you know, mm-hmm. which is, which is often code for like not into the kind of bro-y hangout in bars and drink a lot kind of atmosphere. Right. Like they're not like, the, they're not like the same kind of person that we are. Right. And, and that it tends to, in, in that context, it can end up excluding 
you know, in that case, particularly women, non, non-white people, things like that, um, <laughs> just because of cultural differences. So we, we do want to be careful about things like that. I think that that's something to watch out for. Like when we're concerned about people fitting in, are, are we unintentionally excluding um, people who, who we <laughs> actually should maybe be considering including? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's an easy trap to fall into, you know, yeah. especially once you start getting a larger organization. So, but I, I feel like when you start getting like a large organization, you start crossing that line into more of a club. Yes. And when you have more of a club, which is less racing focused, um, I, I think that all of those organizations really need to be, be more focused on, on, membership period and and not refusing people so here's here's something else i am actually i'm mentally thinking of a list of like things that haven't come up in this conversation that i would like to draw attention to mm-hmm. in a little bit but in doing that i wanted to i wanted to talk about something else which is that like our team requires its members to do uh, a day of volunteer work at our velodrome sure. and I just, I just think that it's nice to have some sort of obligation and i'm using that word kind of carefully no i think that's that makes but, a lot of sense actually you know expectation show show up at this kind of race show up at that kind of race like race a certain amount of times you know be a team member like communicate with your team members ride train with your team members um this isn't just about buying a jersey and buying some kind of like you know buying the right words on your racing license this is actually about participating and contributing and uh being the team you have to be the team yeah that's actually that's so important right and I, i've i've been on teams that tried to deal with this through uh well the, the team i was on in, in tennessee had a kind of a racer agreement that we all had to sign and all that and that's not necessarily a bad thing um we haven't done that as of yet uh for the team up here mm-hmm. um i'm not going to dismiss it out of hand um but certainly some some understanding that as part of a team, yeah, there's there's some degree of commitment. That's that's a big part of it, I think, that there is some level of expectation in, in being involved on members. And whether that means doing a certain number of races or um, helping in the day-to-day running of uh, the team, because, you know, it is an organization with things like you know, finances and books, and maybe it's putting on a race. I don't know. Um, there's definitely things to do. Or, you know, even, and, and maybe in some people's case, that turns out just, you know, being a good, being a good friend. I don't know, filling, filling a seat in the van. But, <laughs> but it, it's important to have some idea, uh, it, to feel that members of the team are members of the team active like active members yeah exactly because yeah it's it's tough when people aren't active so so here's some things that we didn't talk about in this conversation we didn't talk about social media at all Mm. we didn't talk about sponsorship at all we didn't talk about results at all sure and i and i love that i'm saying this is a positive thing like yeah those i do not believe are important elements of a successful team i think and and the reason for that is you know i believe that uh, what a team can do is keep somebody racing or get somebody started racing and and sort of cultivate uh, a person's ability to sustain their racing and sometimes that means some type of like financial support or a discount on blah 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 or whatever mm-hmm. but i think often it's the uh cultural and social support that can matter more for many people the other I thing mean, is that i don't know with with our, our very like social media infused culture i just you know, there are teams that, like, make a big splash. You kind of mentioned, like, you know, sometimes a team can be just, like, a nicely designed jersey or whatever, but not be a functional team. And as nice as that is, I think that if you, you know, you go back and you think about what is the goal of this team, and if it's to get eyeballs on an Instagram account, 
that's one thing. If it's to serve its members, then that's another thing entirely. Yeah, I, th- I think you nailed it. And, you know, we can talk a little bit, uh, I think, in our subsequent, uh, our next episode, we will probably cover things like social media in, in the context of sponsor uh, obligations mm-hmm. <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a race team. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. And, uh, you know, that's not to say that it's wrong for a team to exist that is focused on sponsors, but I, I, not sponsors, sorry, on, on results, for example, or, or things like that. But it's important to keep in mind what you really want. And, you know, for me, I want a team that's going to last. And yeah, like, like you said, Matty, you keep people racing and engaged with each other and with the larger community. Um, because this is a community, hopefully, that, that we're part of. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I, I feel like that's, you know, what, what's happening in my team. That's why I love it. Oh, and I did, I did say earlier, you know, we were going to talk about this drinking team with a bicycling problem. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's interesting and different about the team I'm on now compared to the team I, I was on in Tennessee. And this is not a criticism of the team in Tennessee. Um, we would have some meetings and stuff um, at bars um, on that team and, and get together and drink beers and, and all that. And it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Uh, on this team, um, we don't have any policies on this or anything like that. It just so happens that um, there are a lot of people on the team who aren't that into drinking. Um who just aren't that interested in it. Um, there are also people who, who do like beer and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm one of those people. But um, it's had the interesting consequence that the focus of our social gatherings is not around um, consuming alcohol as a bike racing team uh, and drinking beer as a bike racing team. And I actually really like it. I really like it a lot. And it, it's, it, it's like I said earlier about wanting to not exclude people you know accidentally who would contribute and i think that it's really easy for people to become uncomfortable around that context mm-hmm. of of you know consuming alcohol and especially potentially consuming a lot of it mm-hmm. and so like i said there's no policy in this people do bring um beverages to to team gatherings and consume them and other people don't bring get beverages and don't consume them and it ends up being fine and we don't really talk about beer as a group no one's like oh you should really try this or anything like that and i hope i hope um it is my sincere hope and i don't know that that everyone on the team feels comfortable with the environment that we have um and and for me i i don't know i really i really like that i really like that a lot and it's it's opened my eyes to to um you know looking at, at that kind of stuff more closely so yeah so we here at the working man's honest bicycle program encourage you to think in a critical and engaged manner about your team about what you get out of it about what you want other people to get out of it and we want you to uh be the team that you wish to see in the world (laughs) would you say that's a, a good summary that's a that's a great summary that's a great summary and i think it's a great place on which to close out this particular episode of whbp well, uh, in which case, I'm going to thank our audience for joining us, and I'm going to tell them that we've got a very interesting next episode on the topic of amateur sponsorship for teams and for individual riders. We're going to talk about some of the some of the dynamics and obligations and questions around that whole thing. Yes, excellent. So, so stay stay with us, listeners. Download us next week or whenever, <laughs> or this week itunes us on the internet <laughs> all right i've been greg i've been matteo and thanks for listening to whbp we'll catch you next time goodbye later That was really good. That was good. I like that. All right, so let's do the WHBP teams.
Man, I like how we're doing the exact same thing right now. <laughs> Mash and go on that return key. <laughs> kapow! Or is it <laughs> kapow? That's the elite, oh, right. uh, that's kapow. our elite team, kapow. <laughs> because it's the thing that you put on a mason jar that turns you into a, a mason jar that you can drink out of. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know how Jay-Z sometimes yells, Shaboy, in some songs? I, I am not really all that familiar with Jay-Z's, Jay-Z's aura. Oh, <laughs> so... man, I'm going to have to send you some Jay-Z to listen to. <laughs> yeah, go for it, go for it. I, well, I think that I got tur- uh, turned on to the, the Yellow Tango big release of everything <laughs> thanks to you, and it, it was wonderful and life-changing. My pleasure. I'm bad at the hip-hop, Maddie. But the Bridgeport, Connecticut of the Midwest is... Uh, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. <laughs> so, but no. which also like sounds like a Yiddish word for something. Oh. And so, if you just like imagine like the Yiddish Midwestern Jay Z yelling Sheboygan, it's funny. <laughs> I um, I was listening to uh. Wait, I was should we hit record and get this patter on, on tape? Um, shit. Well, Just open up another the, one. It's on, I, I've got it recording on the okay. call recorder thing. So if Pat, I really, Patter is awesome. Yeah, if I really want to preserve it, um, mm-hmm. I, can, I right. can retrieve it. But I was listening to, oh god, I am such a nerd. I was listening to this podcast where they play Dungeons and Dragons together. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, anyway, one of the characters' names, the last name of the character, and I can't tell if this is deliberate, is Sheboygan. What? And it drives me crazy because I'm like, does she realize that that's the name of a city in Wisconsin? <laughs> it's like a suburb of Green Bay or something. It's like between Milwaukee and Green Bay. Yeah, it's not sure. really a suburb. It's it's just a it's a little rust belt. Lakeside City. Yeah, and the only reason I know is because, like, back in the day, you know, I'd be watching, like, that 70s show, and they say these these names of places. <sighs> yep. Yeah, and, and they're, they're real places, as it turns out. And they'll say, like, oh, yeah, the, the evil is spilling over from Sheboygan. <laughs> 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 so it just, uh, I don't know, it makes me laugh. <laughs> All right. Um, this rum is killing me, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of rum, so it's all uphill from here. <laughs>